Welcome to the best of sold out sports talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up close conversations with high impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. Uh, we always do it one way here, and that is to give you an opportunity to hear the platform of athletes and coaches that get it, guys that are about faith, family, and sports, women that are about priorities. And today is no different as uh, we love to bring you guests that are not only making a difference in their own life, in their own families, uh, but more importantly, uh, taking their platform out to the to the world. And this guy is a, is a man who I've looked forward to speaking with uh, his new book is called Inside Out Coaching, How Sports Can Transform Lives. is being released, uh, has been released August 2nd. Simon & Schuster, you can get it everywhere. Um, it's a part autobiography, and uh, it's also a motivational manifesto, part instructions. So you got a little bit of everything here, but uh, I'm really excited to, to talk to this guy. 13 years in professional football. Of course, a lot of people know him with, with the Colts and the United States Football League, uh, but he's an ordained minister. Uh, Parade Magazine called him the most important coach in America. And uh, we've got him right here with us, uh, Joe Ehrman, our guest. And, uh, Joe, great to have you in. Appreciate you coming on Sold Out Sports Talk. Well, Roman, great to be with you and your audience. So thank you for having me. Well, first of all, let me say this. Uh, uh, it's a very interesting story. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people saw your story told uh, back in 2004 with uh, Jeffrey Marks' bestseller, uh, season of uh, life and uh, where it told your story and uh, obviously like many other athletes out there you were a guy who spent a great deal of time in the NFL understand what it's like to play in the National Football League it's, uh, we've had many other NFL guys on this program but I love your story because you saw a place in your life that needed to change and uh, you made a direction change and uh, one of the things that interests me is is what gave you the the motivation to say, you know what, I'm going to go to Dallas Theological Center. I'm going to get a I'm going to get an education here and, and, and become an ordained minister. Well, right in the middle of my uh, professional career, uh, I watched my little brother die of cancer. Spent five months on a pediatric oncology floor in a waiting room with all of these other families who had children facing life-threatening illnesses. And if you ever want to know where authentic community and truth and perspective is, it's in those waiting rooms. So it was during uh, his dying process and then uh, following his death where well, I started to ask the deep questions for the first time. Uh, what is the purpose of life? Uh, where does meaning and value come from? I had fulfilled all of kind of the cultural criteria about the success in life and what it means to be a man. And at that moment, I recognized I had no idea. Uh, so I started this long, uh, inward, inside-out journey uh, trying to find the answer to life's most profound questions. Uh, that led me to Christ, which led me to seminary, uh, trying to get the educational tool uh, to how do you help build God's kingdom in this world. Joe Ehrman, our guest on Sold Out Sports Talk on AFR Talk. And, you know, Joe, you said something that, you know, as I have visited with, and I know you have been around in a, an NFL locker room and, and professional sports, and one of the one of the downfalls of professional sports, and of course my dad played 16 years in the NFL, is sometimes you can get so focused on the goal, so focused on that Super Bowl trophy, so focused on your career, 
that what begins to happen slowly but surely is, is and, and, and this happens in many other uh, focused jobs as well, where suddenly, you know, family becomes a little bit gray, uh, priorities take the take a back seat at home, and, and suddenly it becomes all about us and all about what we want to accomplish. And, I, you know, I know you've seen it and I've seen it, and, so many, and, and guys that are great guys, guys that started out with all the right priorities. And what was it that um, – changed you in terms of of your thought process to say you know what there's more to life than just playing football well i i think all of us have to develop some kind of coherent narrative you, you've got to make sense out of your own life and have an autobiographical ordering of the good the bad and the ugly that has happened to you uh, my experience is that uh, and i still continue to do an awful lot of workshops in the nfl uh, every year uh, most are driven by a deep pathological drive to kind of validate their sense of personhood uh, through athletic performance or through some other measurement of success. It becomes pathological because really you're so driven to overcome some wounding in our own childhood and adolescence that we say we're going to validate and prove ourselves and we don't care what the cost is to ourselves, to our families, to our children, to the well-being of our own life. Now, I think the number one common denominator of professional football players has to do with father-child dysfunction. I think the same thing is true in boardrooms as well. But everyone has to make sense out of their own life. It's critical in order to allow other people to attach to you. So I just started making sense. There are so many things. You know, and as men growing up in this society, I think the three scariest words that every man receives is when they're told to be a man. And it's always in the context of stop acting that way, stop those tears, stop those emotions. Uh, boys are taught to have feelings, to show them, uh, to express them, to name them, somehow considered things of masculine failure. So we separate our hearts from our head and try to live this life from the neck up. And professional sports can be a tremendous place to hide. You hide inside that helmet, you hide behind the facade of being a, an athlete. And the challenge is, is how do you come out of that in order to really have some kind of success that you need to define and measure in life? Former Baltimore coach Joe Ehrman is the author of Inside Out Coaching, and Joe shares in this his personal history in his own words and also explains and, and develops coaching philosophy and does seminars, as he said, not only at the NFL level, but he works with high school, college coaches, youth coaches, Talking about incorporating the importance of what a coach is and, and the description of what a coach is and, and how a coach can be most effective in changing the lives of young people. And you can get this book, of course, at Simon Schuster. Uh, you can go to his website at joe at coachforamerica.com. That's joe at coachforamerica.com or on Amazon or anywhere else that you can find books out there. Uh, you can get it. And I, and I want to tell you, get this book because he's got some incredible, incredible ideas as well as experience to share uh, with not only fathers, uh, but many of our fathers are coaching their kids. Many of our fathers out there want to be involved in their young people's lives. And you hit a key point, Joe. Uh, when you've got a 50-plus percent divorce rate, uh, when you've got 65 percent latchkey kids, when you've got a situation in our country with a lack of leadership where in schools, black and white, right and wrong, moral values are taking the back seat, where they've eliminated God from the classroom, and you, you look at uh, – in going into schools, many of the guys that I talk to, like you and myself, when we go in, the one thing that I hear across the board is when these things are absent, there's a lack of hope in our kids today, and a lack of hope brings about a great deal of danger. 
Yeah, I think the uh, social contract between adults and young people in America has been broken. Uh, the sad reality is we're the richest, most powerful nation in the history of the world. And yet if you paint a picture of poverty, neglect, and abuse, it's a picture of a child in this country. Uh, one out of five children, 20%, live at or below poverty. Uh, adults in America have the responsibility to protect childhood. That's a special time and place. Children shouldn't have to earn or work for love and respect and for a place in this society. And I think when there's an absence of hope, boy, that gets filled with all kinds of uh, negative potential. So I wrote the book really uh, to create a dialogue in this country. I think the social contract between coaches and leagues and schools when it comes to athletics has been broken. Uh, what is it that we ought to uh, deliver to every child that wants to play some kind of sport? So I have four questions that every coach needs to be able to answer with great integrity and at every season. The first question is, why do you coach? Is it really about you or is it about the players? Second question is, why do you coach the way that you do? Uh, is it to optimize the development, the experience of those players, or are you trying to get your needs met uh, through the performance of young people? Third question is, what does it feel like to be coached by you? Uh, children are under tremendous pressure in this country. I don't think it's ever been more difficult to be a young person with all the negative social media, the messaging that young children receive. Coaches have to have some kind of empathic response. Uh, every kid comes to practice every day with post-it notes on their foreheads asking questions about who am I, who will love me, who I love, what can I do with my life, what am I going to stand for, and who am I going to stand with. Coaches need to be mindful enough to construct their coaching and programs to answer those questions, irregardless of athletic performance. And the last question every coach needs to be, asked, be able to answer is how do you define and measure success as a coach? It can't be about wins and losses. It has to be about transforming the lives of young people. There needs to be some clear definition of what we're trying to achieve. And parents who are making tremendous sacrifices, they need to have some honest, realistic expectation about uh, what their children ought to be receiving through a sports experience. Joe Ehrman, our guest, he is the writer of Inside Out Coaching. You can get his book on his website at joe at coachforamerica.com. And one of the things that I've enjoyed is, is uh, his, his life mission is very clear, to help boys and girls become men and women of empathy and integrity who will lead, be responsible, and change the world for good. And, uh, Joe, in about a minute in this segment, uh, address for me why you think a coach and I know this, this takes a while, but just in a short, a short uh, 45 seconds or so, why is a coach so important to a young man or a young woman? Well, I, I think it's because if you look at the elevated role, uh, sports in America engage more families, more individuals, more communities in a shared activity than a cultural activity, organization, or religion in, a, in this country. It has become the secular religion, and the high priest of that religion is the coach. They have unparalleled power, platform, position in the lives of young people. Uh, they're one of the most important adults that uh, in the lives of young people other than their parents. Joe Merman, our guest on Sold Out Sports Talk on AFR Talk. And uh, one, of, one of the things that uh, I'm looking forward as we go to break, 
what I'm what I want to do is is when we come back, it, we got so many parents in this audience uh, listening to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio, and American Family is all about protecting the family, but also equipping parents. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to ask Joe to talk to you parents, to talk to you coaches, to talk to you adults out there who you're concerned about your kids. Uh, school just started here in the last week at at most schools. And uh, we're going to ask him some really direct questions about what you can do as a parent to encourage your child who's involved in extracurricular activities and those that are not, what we can do to get them more involved. Because one of the biggest problems we have today in America is lack of exercise. Cutting out extracurricular activities has had detriment and has caused severe problems with our young people. Uh, Joe Ehrman, our guest, and uh, Joe, great to have you in. Appreciate you coming on Sold Out Sports Talk. Welcome back to Sold Out Sports Talk on AFR Talk. Uh, Super Bowl 50, one of my favorite people. It's been too long, actually. A year. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yes, that's too long. Leslie Visser with us. Um, Leslie, we just had somebody that made history that was at our table, Jen Welcher, is the first woman to coach professional football players. I can remember the time when it, Leslie Visser was that first strong woman to, to set the tone for women in the broadcasting business. It's pretty amazing to see uh, what the Lord can do over time, correct? You know, people said to me, are you surprised? Uh, by the way, Jen, also Boston College, yes, which I yes. am. Dr. Jen, you're I know right. all you guys on Tobacco Road beat us up, but so what? Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> You know, people say, are you surprised? I say, no, no. I mean, women now, women are astronauts. Women are on the Supreme Court. No, it doesn't surprise me. Yes, when I said I wanted to be a sports writer, it was like saying I wanted to go to Jupiter. But it happened, and television, it happened, and it's happened for Jen, and God bless Rex Ryan, yeah. first full-time uh, coach hiring. You know, I was, it's kind of an old boys league, you know that, the NFL. But I was really, I was a little surprised that the Bidwells pulled the trigger on that. I always say this, I probably said it to you before, it's not genetic. I mean, you come from a family that physically you're blessed. But, you know, I, I loved football the same way that lots of people love it. And it, you're not born knowing it. I mean, I, I don't think Al Michaels played a down in his right. life and yet by far considered the greatest. I don't think, did Vin Scully play professional baseball? I don't think so. I don't think so. So it is not genetic. You know, you're not born recognizing a yes. safety blitz. Now, I think the reason I've lasted is I, you've been in huddles. Yeah. Your family's been in huddles. I have not been in a huddle, but I can observe it. Sure. You know, I can see a safety blitz. Um, I used to ride John Madden's bus with him and he would make me know the counter tray, right? You have to know the the counter tray. Well, you just said something really cool, though, because people don't realize how much fun hanging out with John Madden is, right? Let me just tell you, I learned more from him. I remember one time he said to me, we were riding across Utah or something on our way to a 49er candlestick. Wasn't it weird to land a Nazi candlestick? No. Uh, but we, so we we're on our way, and out of nowhere, John said, dark chocolate. Uh, I don't get it. It's like they got halfway to milk and quit. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that, that is, is that so John, him. Is that so John Madden? I mean, his brain was just so different. But you know what's funny is, is my dad played for George Allen, as you remember, and George retired. Um, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona, and his son Bruce. We were hanging out on a Thanksgiving, watching the Thanksgiving game with Coach, and it was the Cowboys and the Redskins. And I think I learned more that day about football, about somebody who had an eye for football, just George Allen's ability to see things. And we had the biggest blast watching this game with him, sitting down and just experience 
coming out. He was telling stories, Redskins, Cowboys stories. and You know, we what a privilege so when uh, I started at CBS. Uh, CBS was the NFC East, and that was. You know, it was all the Cowboys, the Redskins, the Giants. Uh, the Eagles. The Eagles. Yeah, I mean, Even the Eagles. Yes. And and then, of course, CBS lost football, and when we got it back. It was the AFC, which um, turned out nicely because yes. it was the Patriots, nice. Denver, but uh, the Colts. But, uh, you know, it was uh, it was amazing um, those those days of the NFC East. And yeah, to, to know someone like a George Allen. Do you know Amy Trask works for us? And, yeah. of course, now there's sure. another. Talk about yes. Pioneer. yes. There is. I am hoping, as you know, I'm privileged to be the only woman in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I'm hoping Amy Trask is the next one. Well, you know what's really cool, too, is is that you worked with two of the best, too, in Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire. I mean, that was the NFL. Well, I they mean, split them up. Yeah, they did split them up after <laughs> yes. a while. But you know what? When I, I told somebody the other day with, with football coming back to L.A., um, and, there, and by the way, there are a lot of excited people about the Rams coming back to L.A., uh, I know my dad is, and I know Jim Everett got one the other day. I mean, they've been kind of stepchildren. I mean, you know, it's okay to call yourself Rams, but they've never had any history in St. Louis. So it's kind of cool to see the Rams finally come back to L.A. Um, of course, I work with the great Dan Deardorff. You yes. know, CBS, really, they handpick people, and they, they're there forever. It's the network of Jim Nance and Vern Lundquist, Dan Fouts, and Dan Deardorff. Have you ever heard Dan tell this great story that um, the Rams, when they went to St. Louis, they wanted Dan to come out in a Ram jersey. Exactly. He said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> really? He said, are you out of your mind? I mean, they I'm didn't like card- each other back then. Well, also, he was a cardinal. He exactly. Was, you know, he was not. So he said, what am I going to do that for? <laughs> I have people ask me this all the time. The number two market in the country, and it's, and when my dad played for the Rams, of course, the Lakers weren't that big a deal. The Dodgers were there. They were good. Uh, the Kings were terrible. So it was 105,000 people at the Coliseum every Sunday. It was the Rams, the Rams, the Rams. It was all about the Rams. Why has it taken so long to get a team back to Los Angeles, Leslie? Uh, Gosh, you grew up in it, so you would know more than I, but I think they got comfortable without it, you know, and I think the Raiders were the stepchild, right? And then people just got comfortable. They would go watch the games, you know, and a lot of people were from other places, and they got comfortable without it. Like, I mean, I'm a child of the Red Sox, so I just couldn't imagine the Red Sox leaving or not being there. But I know I lived in New York a long time, and there were a lot of people there who had been either Dodger or Giant baseball fans, and, uh, you know, when the Giants left... They, they either they picked up another team or maybe they just quit on baseball. But I, I guess L.A. just got used to it. They got used to it. Final question because I know you got to go. Work the Super Bowl so many years. Tell me very quickly, what's changed to you about the Super Bowl since you started? Uh, well, you and I both experienced this. Uh, when I started, it was Radio Row. <laughs> it was a Not row. Not Rose. Right? Row. So it was Row. And, uh yeah, we didn't do, like, um, I'm working for Humana, which um, you know about the Wounded right, Warriors right. amputee. We've had several in team. here today about that. Had uh, had Chad, uh, Chad, Chad, Chad in early was great. You know what? Do you know it's amazing? Yes. And if you've ever been to one, one of the games, it's, it's so uh, astonishing that you realize that those who have served, they come back and they play people like Charles Haley and Chad Hennings. And, and they only want two things. They want, uh, they want respect and they want a job. They don't want our pity. Uh, so anyway, so it, it didn't used to be that Radio Row, we would have a sponsor, you know, or, um, but so I, I think the international aspect of this is, is staggering. I yesterday did an hour with the BBC.
Um, but how does it feel for you to, to have been a foundational figure for young women in this business? Uh, thanks for asking that, Roman. I finally embrace it. I didn't want to wear it for a long time, but um, Michelle Tafoya just said to me uh, the other day, she said, you took all the firsts. <laughs> and it was true, you know, first woman to cover the NFL as a bead, first woman on many, many, you know, NBA broadcasts, World Series broadcasts. Uh, so I covered 35 Final Fours. So I, for a long time, I just really said, well, I just love sports the way other kids love music you know, or poetry or the law. I just love sports. And we have a mutual friend, I think, that you got to work with one of the greatest ever in Brent Musburger. I mean, he was so great. You know what, Brent, I the two I had who were like that, Brent Musburger and Al Michaels, you never felt you didn't know where the broadcast was right. going. They never left you hanging. Um, Brent, I hope nobody sees this. Can I tell you an off-the-record story? Yeah, sure. Okay, my very first um, television assignment, I went from the Boston Globe right to CBS, and it was the U.S. Open Tennis. And do you remember Hanna Mandlikova? I heard the name, I think. She was a great player. She was from Prague, behind Martina. Uh -huh. And uh, so my very first assignment, Brent's hosting the U.S. Open. He says, let's go out to uh, Court 16, Leslie Vissers with Hanna Mandlikova. So she had a great run that summer. She won the U.S. Open. I said, to what do you attribute your sudden rise in the rankings? And she says... Well, I think it is my new couch. So I thought, I don't know, maybe she's sleeping better or something, you know. So I say, oh, did you get some new furniture? And she looks at me and she says, don't be ridiculous. Billie Jean King, my new couch. <laughs> <laughs> so Brent's head just hit the table. And CBS would play it like every year, every year. But um, he what? was great to work with. And Brent's hanging out in Vegas now, right? I mean, loving it. I heard him. I heard him the other day doing something, man. You know, he's writing his element with Vegas and the Lions, and now the Raiders are coming to town. He loves it. I went out and saw him. He's uh, he's got his own company. I think it's Vizen or something. And and uh, they're not. You can't place bets with them, but they're informational. Right. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you. You know, the NFL was so staunch about gambling all those years ago, and. How in the world did you guys get away with Jimmy the Greek and the all and the lines and the whole deal at that time? You know, I think uh, I think people are naive if they didn't think that gambling wasn't the underpinning of mm -hmm. the NFL. I mean, back then, I mean, why why would you watch Tampa, Houston Oilers? You right. know, what, what would be the? So I think that it, it was, you know, one of that kind of intentional blindness, because now. You know, now even Adam Silver came out with the NBA, said, yeah, let's allow gambling. What's the biggest change from back then covering the NFL to today, you think, for the, the women that are in it today? Uh, there are a few changes. Um, one, when I started, Radio Row was a row. <laughs> An actual row. <laughs> a row. <laughs> like four people. Yeah. And uh, back then, everybody smoked in press boxes. Really weird. And, uh, of course, there weren't ladies' rooms when I started because yeah. there were no other women. So, I mean, the changes are, I love it now that any young woman yeah. can grow up and so say, good. I want to cover sports. Yeah, there's so many. It was great. In the beginning, we all knew each other. You know, we'd go to each other's marriages or whatever, weddings, births. But um, now, I don't know. I probably well, you don't know. know Laura Oakman, right? Yeah, of course. She's great. She's doing this galvanized program where she's, um, I guess, tutoring college young ladies that want to go into sports or young ones that are trying to move up in the business and i always see these incredible photos and pictures of her on the sidelines she's 
communicating and partnering with teams where she'll go into the Oilers or and they, they get to find out what teams are looking for Correct. from a sideline person. I thought that was just an awesome idea uh, to take, you know, because she's been a veteran for a long time. And she knows what she's doing. And I try to tell women two things. Uh, one, turn the sound down. And what do you see? Do you see the safety blitz? You know, or can you see Syracuse's 2-3 zone? You know, can you see? Don't wait for us to tell you. You see if you can see it. And the other thing I tell them is, if you don't love it, don't do it. <laughs> tell, tell, me, tell, me a, tell me a sideline story uh, that, that people uh, would be surprised by. Uh, well, it was always very cold in Lambeau, as you know, and I was spent half my life in Lambeau because uh, when I first went to CBS, we had the NFC package. And um, so, of course, it was always the Packers. All cold places. Yeah. Packers. Vikings. I mean, you know how cold. Well, they were indoors, but um, how cold the Bears were, how cold the 49ers were, the Giants, you know, everybody cold. So one time I bought these, like, hunting socks, and they had these big D batteries hanging out the back. And, of course, they went dead in the second quarter. I'm clumping around Lambo with these big, giant D battery socks. And John Madden, on the air, said... That's the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. Oh, you mean <laughs> during the broadcast? During the broadcast. During the broadcast. Have you heard this? Of course, I, I'm clumping around. This is a That's so funny. Loserville, because they wouldn't let us near you guys. You know, the bench, you have the warmers, but they don't let the sideline. Yeah. Leslie, it's been fun. I know you got to go. Thanks very much you for too. coming. It's so Every great year. to see you again. God bless Love you. Love to see you. Appreciate you. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, soldouttv.com, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.